When my dad was a young guy, he didn't own a short sleeve shirt. Mom said when she met Dad in their teenage years, he wore a jacket, even in the summer, his hands crammed in the outer pockets to hide his small, rigid right arm. He was embarrassed and ashamed of his appearance. Mom said, I decided I was going to help him with that. And for more than 60 years, she did. She was his right-hand mate, and with her love and help, he gained confidence, a drawer filled with short-sleeved T-shirts, and he proved those who doubted him that they were wrong. Because a lot of the world saw my dad as less than, as someone not up to the standard, somehow suspect because he looked different, or at least part of him did. He was a handsome guy, dark eyes, thick black hair, medium height, medium build, but his left arm looked like it belonged to Arnold Schwarzenegger and his right arm was miniature, pale, devoid of any muscle definition, sort of like an eight-year-old's. Except even a child's arm would have served him better. As it was, Dad's right elbow was locked, the atrophied shoulder rigid, barely able to move, and the hand curled in a tight, forever little fist. All this strangeness, the result of a birth accident. He was injured by a midwife when she realized he was stuck, Desperate to save my grandmother, she yanked the 13-pound baby out by the only part of him she could get a hold of, his right arm. He tried to hide his arm and disproportionate body in his youth, worried deep down that he would never measure up. His three brothers all served in the Air Force. My dad, of course, couldn't have gotten in, and it stung. To me, he was a super dad who could do anything. He water skied, he built things, he played league softball for many years as a pitcher. He would tuck his glove under his small right arm, clamped against his chest, then fire a pitch with his deeply tanned and impressively muscled left arm. After releasing the ball, he would slip his left hand into his glove, ready to receive the ball from the catcher or catch it himself if the batter got off a hit. He was a good ball player despite only one usable arm. My dad's birth injury defined his life in a way it shouldn't have. The people that didn't know him only saw him as the guy with the weird arm, didn't know how intelligent he was, how gentle, kind, and endlessly funny. He had such a violent entry to life. He could have grown into a sullen, angry man with a chip on his withered right shoulder. But instead he was sweet, sentimental, kind, but he was self-conscious like somehow it was his fault when people stared or laughed or were uncomfortable around him. He would have never challenged anyone who gawked at him. My first memory of true rage at a rude stranger was during a rare family dinner at a restaurant when I was around eight. I don't remember the occasion, but there must have been one because meals that were not made by mom or nana were rare for us. We didn't have a lot of going out money. But there we were, having a grand time until some drunk guy a couple of tables away noticed my dad and started loudly speculating about what the hell was wrong with that guy. I wanted to leap across the table and choke him. My family went from happy chatter to stony silence, staring at our plates, trying to choke down our dinner and hurry to leave. It was the beginning of my understanding of how cruel people can be and how ignorant it is to judge others based on their appearance. Although this lesson made me angry, hurt, and frustrated, I now realize that it was a gift. I grew up in a tiny Wisconsin village where everyone looked like their neighbor, white. I could have grown up narrow-minded and suspicious of people who looked different from us. My dad's birth injury changed his physical appearance forever. 
and watching others side-eye him or say rude things under their breath or sometimes out loud, sometimes while laughing or pointing, helped me gravitate towards social justice work. I thought about becoming a lawyer to champion equal rights, but because I love to write and I'm naturally nosy, reporting was the best option for me. I'm not suggesting that the struggles my dad faced were the same as the racism and oppression that black, native, and other people of color have endured. He was still a white man and surely had an easier time than someone of color would have faced with the same physical limits that dad had. I might have continued dabbling in freelance print, indulging my love of journalism as a part-time occupation while I was also a business owner in northern Wisconsin, but the suicide of a young man at our local high school propelled me in a different direction. I was upset by how school officials, instead of helping a young person who was struggling, told him he was a loser because he got caught with marijuana in his locker. The school principal told him he was never going to amount to anything and refused to let my brother-in-law, who was the school counselor at that time, talk with this troubled young guy who had just broken up with his girlfriend and had a crappy, unstable home. He took his life after he left the school that day. I wanted to write about the failure of school leaders to help someone who clearly needed it. The local paper that I freelanced for wouldn't touch it. I was furious and sad at the lack of accountability, and in my frustration, I called a friend who worked for the local public radio station. He invited me to help him produce a program on youth suicide. The success of that call-in program lit a fire in me for the power, the reach, and the ability to convene that comes from public radio. Dad called his hugely muscled left arm his good arm, as if his right, through no fault of its own, was bad because it was injured beyond repair. He wasn't what other people thought of as normal, and I rejected that at an early age. Who is to say what comprises normal? What was normal for my dad was just fine by me. And it taught me so much about treating people, regardless of what they look like, with the same level of respect. The love my parents shared and the respect they gave to each other and to others shaped my worldview. And a tragic event at the school so many decades ago propelled me into journalism and public broadcasting full-time, where I've stayed for nearly 30 years, working to highlight the injustice of prejudice in all its forms. I heard a story on NPR's program On the Media recently. It highlighted one of the few bright spots in the pandemic, that people with disabilities have gained increased respect as more people realize in this time of COVID that the built environment consists of narrow hallways and cramped spaces. That didn't trouble those of us who can move about freely until we became concerned about virus exposure. Now, listening to people with disabilities provides much-needed guidance for what the future should look like for urban planning. In the story, the reporter cited Alice Wong, the founder and director of the Disability Visibility Project, who described disabled people as modern-day oracles, people that can help reimagine our infrastructure future. Modern-day oracles. I really liked that and thought of what a kick my dad would have gotten out of it. He probably wouldn't have imagined himself as a purveyor of wisdom, but I know he would have been secretly pleased by the thought, and I will think of him as my oracle of justice from now on. Thank you.